Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, and welcome to the Love Life Connection podcast a podcast for successful women who feel like they have it all except love. I'm your host, Veronica Grant, a love and life coach. And my only goal with this podcast is to inspire you to believe in yourself and that real love is possible for you, even in our swipe right, swipe left world. Hello, and welcome to episode number 348 of the Love Life Connection podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I'm super excited to be back in your earbuds again this week. I love being here. I love connecting with you all. And I'm really excited about the theme for the fourth Thursdays of the month. So if you missed last month's fourth Thursday of the month, then um, just to catch you up, Well, first of all, first and third Thursdays of the month, the first and third episodes of the month are always a coaching episode. The second episode of the month is a solo episode where either I talk about a hot topic coming up with clients a lot or something that I want to dive into that came in or came up through one of the coaching episodes. And the fourth Thursday of the month is when I take a piece of pop culture or news and talk about how that applies to your love life and what it might mean for you. So before we get there today, I just want to give you one last reminder that we are getting to the very end. If you are interested in joining me for the Love Incubator this year, then like you need to go to the website right now and apply and get on my schedule so that we can talk and see if it's the right fit for you. Now, at the time of this recording, I have no idea if there's actually spots still available But if you do want to join and you're interested, then just go ahead and do it because, you know, there might be a spot available, might be able to squeeze you in. The link is veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. And that link gives you all the information you need about the love incubator, including program details and start date and pricing options and success stories and all that kind of stuff. And just really quickly, the love incubator is my one on one program with a group experience. What that means is that every month you and me, we meet for one hour to have our private coaching session so that I can meet you exactly 
exactly where you are. We can talk about your specific questions, problems, issues, all that kind of stuff that are coming up in your love life. And then once a month, we have a group call. And this is when we go have the group and each person gets there a lot of time and we check in, see how you're doing since our one-on-one, where are you getting stuck, where are you needing the next step, where are you needing help, all that kind of stuff. And the beauty of that is that you also get to listen to other women being coached. And that can be really an amazing experience if you've never done that before, because sometimes women are asking questions you didn't even know to ask. And you're like, oh my God, that applies to me too. So helpful. Uh, Sometimes you hear other women talking about their questions or their problems. And sometimes when it's like someone else's life, it's very easy to be like, well, they should obviously just do X, Y, Z. And then when you stop and think about it, you're like, oh shit, me too. <laughs> Same thing applies. So there's a lot of healing power that can come with the with the group. And I facilitate a really wonderful group that is supportive and not like Pollyanna positive, but not like also this group of women that just like blames and complains and like dating so horrible. Da, 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 da. Like, I don't think that's really healthy or good for anyone, especially if you're trying to attract the relationship that I talk about on this show. Um, and so it just keeps you in a good headspace. Obviously, like there's always room for all emotions, including feeling sad, mad, angry, all of those things. But it's productive, right? Like the, the group conversation, the group effort is productive so that again, we're not just devolving into the blame game or what was me, all that kind of stuff. Because again, that's not really going to help you get into the relationship that you want. And of course, it is because of the group element, it is the most economical way to work with me by far. So again, if you are interested in hopping on the phone with me to see if it's the right fit for you, which is required for any, anyone who wants to join, head over to veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. And again, at the time that I am recording this, I don't know how many spots are still available. But if you are interested, you got to get on my calendar ASAP. I I really hate to put pressure on it. But you know, with the group, there is like a start date. So we do got to get the ball rolling. If you are interested. Okay, so let's go back to the episode. And today we're going to talk about one, I want to talk about Warren Buffett's marriage, because I think it's actually quite common. And I think it's something to think about because what often happens a lot with my clients, and I also get DMs and emails and all that kind of stuff from from you guys, where you're dating someone and then you find out that like on a technicality, they're not divorced yet, right? Like they're, they're done with the relationship in their mind and emotionally and romantically and all that kind of stuff, but they're not divorced. And so for many people that I've talked to, that is an immediate, no questions asked, deal breaker. And look, I'm not here to try to change your mind. I really want you to do what feels best and right for you. But if that's like the only thing that's coming up or the only issue within a new relationship with someone that you're dating, I think it's worth looking at it from a different perspective. Now, if are there other red flags, and we'll get to other red flags that come in conjunction with still being married on a technicality, you know, that's a whole different story. But I'm really talking about like, if everything else is great, but on a technicality, they're still married on paper. I don't know, in my opinion, I don't see that as an immediate deal breaker. And if you do, and you're not willing to see another way, that's totally fine. But if you have before, and you're like, huh, I wonder what she has to say, then I hope you enjoy this episode, because I think you'll like it. Okay, so the article that I want to talk about today is a Business Insider article, and it's about Warren Buffett's marriage to his wife and how he actually had an open marriage. Warren Buffett, I think, is a fascinating person. I really do want to read like a memoir or a biography, but 
I'm getting off on a tangent. I won't get into it. He's a really interesting guy. And I think one other thing that made him interesting, which I don't know if a lot of people know, or maybe a lot of people do know, and I'm just here living under a rock and only recently finding this out. Um, But Warren Buffett had an open marriage with his first wife. And the article that I'll put in the show notes, there's actually a ton of other articles. I swear there was an article in the New York Times that really dove into this, and I can't find it. So you know, maybe I'll find it before the show goes out, goes out into the podcast, and I can link it up in the show notes. But there's other articles as well about his open marriage. But essentially, the article, you know, kind of goes into the relationship and how it's evolved. And I don't need to go into those details, because that's not really applicable to the point that I want to make in this podcast. But essentially, him and his wife broke up, right? Like they just their relationship and their life path and the things they wanted to do and where they wanted to spend their time just wasn't going to work anymore. And in fact, it was his first wife, Susan, who introduced Warren Buffett to who is now second wife, um, Astrid Minx is. Now, Astrid and Warren Buffett were not married for quite a few decades because he was still married to Susan Buffett. But they stayed together for financial reasons because, you know, marriage, there's a lot of financial benefits to marriage. I'm going to get on, get into that um, in a second. But he actually, you know, had this relationship with Astrid with permission from Susan. And in fact, I think um, the article talks about when <laughs> they would send out Christmas cards, they would sign it as a trio, which is kind of funny to me. But anyways, so when you are dating, and you meet someone and they seem really great and you're really excited about them. And then you find out that they are in fact still married. I really want you to consider the fact that at least in the United States, I don't know about other countries. I don't know those tax codes or tax laws as well. But what I do know in the United States is that there are massive financial benefits to marriage. Massive. Um, You get huge tax savings when you are married. A lot of people don't have health insurance through their job. In fact, I have a good friend who also has her own business and she is still married to her husband, even though she's in a you know full-on serious relationship with someone else because she gets health insurance for her and her kid. And not that she couldn't go and buy her own, but as we all know, like, you know, <laughs> that can be complicated in the US, not to mention expensive. The cost of divorce is a lot, even if you aren't battling your ex-partner in court, just going through mediation and the cost of attorneys and the cost of filing, all that kind of stuff is a lot of money. And a lot of times in a divorce, you have to sell assets so that you can divvy things up, right? So you liquefy things so that you can divvy it up easier. And that can be really hard. It can actually, if you have kids like that are still at home, that can actually, you know, obviously be pretty unstabling for the kids. Not that like you know, you can't ever sell a house and have a and have kids move when when there's a divorce. But my point is, is that there's lots of financial benefits to just staying married on paper and then just living your own lives. But I've noticed that a lot of women just immediately see it as a deal breaker. Do not ask questions. Do not pass go. You know that kind of attitude towards it. And I think you might be potentially missing out. I think that the issue around dating someone who is still married on paper is a little bit more nuanced. And I'm going to talk about this a little bit more in just a moment. And that's because I believe in every relationship, there are two parts of a relationship. There's the romantic aspect of the relationship. So that's the part of you that are the part of the relationship where 
you know, you you like each other, you are attracted to each other, you have chemistry together. These are the reasons why you got together, stayed together, why you, you know, kept dating each other, married each other, all of those kinds of things. And then there's the business of the relationship. And that's a whole other thing. And I'm going to talk in detail about both of those things in just one second. But if you are on a date with someone or dating someone, and they tell you that they are still married, what I'm way more concerned with is whether or not the romantic part of the relationship is fully dissolved. I'm much more concerned about that than whether or not the business part of the relationship is dissolved. So a lot of times, as you know, I've talked on the show a lot about how there's two parts to getting over an ex, right? There's like the initial nursing your heartbreak, nursing your wounds, um, just having to work through the feelings and the grief and the sadness and the anger, like just the initial part of getting over an ex, right? It sucks. There's lots of emotions. You're definitely not in a place to invite in a new partner, right? And then there's the second part of getting over an ex. And this is where a lot of people miss or they don't know about or whatever. And so in this part, you're not necessarily like, I really wish I could get back together with my ex or I wish it could have worked out or whatever. Like you're you're done with that part, but there still might be a part of you that is carrying around a lot of fear or a lot of unresolved anger that feels more like stale anger or resentment. So it's not like you're actively stewing, but like you know, you just might like throw little zingers there (laughs) here and there every once in a while, because there's just still like, again, unprocessed grief, unprocessed anger, all of those kinds of things. That to me is way more troubling. Obviously, like if you're on a date with someone, they're still married and they still seem kind of sad about it, or they still kind of miss their, their ex or they want to get back together. Obviously, obviously red flag city, you know, that's a no-go. They are in no way emotionally ready for a relationship. But if you're on a date with someone and it's clear that they're not trying to get back together or they have no desire to get back together with their ex, but they talk ill about their ex, they are not able to see their own role in the marriage breakdown. There's a lot of blaming. There's no sense of self-reflection from the marriage, from the breakdown of the marriage, from the breakup, all that kind of stuff. And then, of course, if they talk about them all the time in good or bad ways, these are all going to be red flags because to me, this tells me that the romantic part of the relationship is not fully resolved. And this person will, I believe, in most cases, not be emotionally available for any kind of real commitment for what, you know, the kind of relationship that you're looking for. And or they'll be dating from a place of fear because they don't want to make the same mistakes again. And I've talked a lot about on the show that I really don't think making decisions, especially in love out of fear is super helpful. You have to make decisions from what you want from intuition, as opposed to like, well, I don't want this to happen again. So I'm not going to do this. Right. So let me give you a more concrete example. Like my ex and I, we got together really fast. And so I don't want to go fast again. And so I'm going to, I'm only going slow. And it's like, I kind of, I understand that sentiment. And, and I know many of you have probably had some sort of similar thought or have made a fear-based decision in past relationships. And I know because I talked to a lot of you and that's not really always super helpful because time doesn't really make a difference as to whether or not a relationship is going to be the right relationship or 
it doesn't really make an impact on the longevity or the success of a relationship. There's lots of other things around vulnerability and communication and boundaries. And that might happen over a really short, quick period of time. And that might also happen over a really long period of time. And they're both fine, right? But time doesn't necessarily make that difference, right? But that was just one example. This is not an episode about how much time you have to be in a relationship to know if it's the right one. This is not that episode. That was just an example of how one might date from fear and just, you know, want to just, I need, I need more time. I need more time. But it's only because of fear, not because um, of anything else going on in the relationship with you. So that's not really fair to them, but it's also not fair to you or the relationship. And to me, those are much bigger, again, red flags than still being on still being married on paper because they share a home, because they file taxes together, because there's health insurance involved, you know, life insurance, whatever, all of those kinds of things. So that's the romantic part of the relationship. It's pretty clear. I think this is a thing that's always talked about, what movies and songs and all that kind of stuff are written about. You know what the romantic part of the relationship is. What a lot of people don't really talk about or know about or truly understand is the business of the relationship or the business of the marriage. And I've talked about this a little bit on the show, but I'm going to talk about it more and more because I think it's super important. And a lot of times people don't want to talk about it because it's not sexy. It's not romantic. And, you know, we want to be better than that. Just be an adult and, and clean the dishes if there's dishes in the sink. And yes, if that works for you, then by all means, keep going. And like, you're happy and everyone's doing what they're supposed to be doing and your relationship, paying the bills and cleaning the house, and it's not all on you, then, you know, go on with your bad self. But what I find is that the business part of the relationship isn't talked about, either because of fear, it feels uncomfortable, it feels unsexy, it feels unromantic, it feels unexciting, it just feels just generally uncomfortable. And so what ends up happening is that the business of the relationship begins to infiltrate into the romantic part of the relationship. And what I always say is that if someone's pissed that there's a sink full of dishes in the sink, no one's having sex that night. So that's kind of like the, I don't know, funny, cheeky thing. I don't know how funny it is, but it's like a little cheeky thing that I always say to describe or that I I think just really epitomizes how important the business part of the marriage or relationship is so that you have more space for the romantic part of the relationship thrives. A lot of times fights are started from one person's doing all the housework, one person's managing all the money, one person's paying all the bills, one person's just not ultimately not, you know, doing their fair share. So if we think about, we'll we'll start with being married, but I think this even applies even when you're newly dating and not even living together yet. And I'll talk about that in a moment. But when you think about marriage, okay, you probably have a property together, right? Whether you're renting or buying or you own it. You might have kids, right? So you've got some, not like employees, but you have people. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. To manage that are other than yourselves. You have money coming in, so you have revenue. You have bills to pay, food to pay for, fun expenses to pay for. So, you know, you got expenses, you got profit and loss, right? And then you just have like maintenance, right? You need to fix things, you need to clean things, you need to maintain things, you might have a dog to manage, like all of these things, right? So when you look at it from that perspective, it's sounding a lot like a business, right? When you have a business, you might have a physical location, you've got to pay those bills, you have revenue coming in, you got to figure out how much you can spend on things in your business and how much you want to save so that you can grow the business and all these things. You might have employees to manage, you have a building to maintain, you have to keep the building clean, you have to maintain it, things will break, you have to fix it, all of these things, right? So there's a lot of similarities between the business aspect of a marriage of like running a life together and then actually having a business. And I think most people don't treat their marriage like it was a business, right? And again, I know this feels really, it might feel, well, I shouldn't say I know it feels, it might feel really uncomfortable for you, especially if money is like, oh, or if you're like a little bit of a people pleaser and you're like, I'll just do it. I'll take care of it. It's fine or whatever, right? But like the thing is, is that I just don't believe that it really works like that. Yes, maybe in our ideal minds that people would just like equally pay for things and everyone would just take care of their own bills and everyone would just clean up their own mess. And if there's dishes in the sink, you would just get the dishes because you're an adult and you're a mature adult and all those things. But again, like, I don't know. I, I just don't think that really happens. So I think what can make or break a marriage is sitting down with your partner and, okay, what's our revenue? What are our expenses? Do these expenses work with our revenue? Do we want to lower our expenses so that we can save more? If we're saving, what are we saving for? I'd like to have, I've talked about this before. Every penny has a purpose. So like, we're not just hoarding money. What do you want to save for? Do you want to save for a vacation? Do you want to save for a down payment? Do you want to save for retirement? Do you want to save for a kid's education fund? Like whatever it is, what are you saving for? What are you spending on? And, you know, this kind of gets into like, should we have separate accounts or combined accounts? I'm not going to get too much into that because I think both could work, but you just have to have super clear boundaries. I'll just tell you, Stevie and I have separate accounts. We've always had separate accounts. We talk about having a joint account for joint expenses, like Marshall's expenses and the house and, um, you know, like the things that just get taken out every month. Um, We just haven't done it yet for no other reason than we just haven't. But I I think that if we were to have a joint account, we would definitely still have our own accounts of like our own money. And we would just contribute an an equal, not equal, but an agreed amount each month that would then cover the shared expenses. And then, you know, my money that stays in my account is my money to do with as I please. And then his money is in his account to do as he pleases as well. If we ever do share accounts, that's all it would look like. I have zero interest in completely combining accounts. I'm pretty sure he does too. I know some people do, and it works really great, and that's wonderful, just not for me. Again, I'm not going to go too much into that. If you do have questions, I'm happy to do an episode about that. Just let me know. Send me a DM on Instagram or email me at support at veronicagrant.com, and I can definitely like go into detail about that. But I just want to talk more broadly about the business and marriage. So again, regardless if you have separate accounts or combined accounts or a hybrid of the two, I think it's really important to like know what your expenses are, what your revenue is, and then who's paying for what. So I actually don't think that 
you know, it's fair to actually contribute 50-50 because you may not be making the same amount of money. Now, if you're making the same amount of money, then fine. 50-50 is, is fine. But I do think your contributions do need to be in proportion to what you're each bringing in. So if you make $100,000 and your partner's making $50,000, you're making twice as much money as them. And so your expenses or your contribution to the expenses need to reflect that. Otherwise, if you're both contributing, for example, $5,000 a month towards shared monthly expenses, $5,000 a month is a much smaller percentage of your overall income than your partner's at $50,000 a month. And that just is a really great way to make things start feeling really unfair and unequitable because you'll have a lot more of your own discretionary funds where your partner is really subsidizing, you know, your extra discretionary funds. So anyways, you want to have a, like, we literally have a spreadsheet of our total expenses, our total revenues, and then who's paying for what. And it's roughly in proportion to the amount of money that we're each bringing in and then contributing to the household. And we have the same kind of spreadsheet for chores and things that need to be done regularly around the house. We have monthly things, weekly things, daily things. Like we even have activities or like chores that are down to like, who's carrying the stuff up from the stairs, you know, because you you know, if you live in a two story house, you often collect things on the stairs that you need to take upstairs. Um, That's even one of the line items in our chore chart. And we just spent a week going over this and making sure that it felt fair. Again, it doesn't necessarily have to be equal 50 50. But it has to feel equitable and fair to both of you. I think this is actually really common if one partner like doesn't work and the other does, like then the other partners, the one the partner that works is like, well, <laughs> that's my job. I'm working. So you have to do everything else. Like, no, that's not, in my opinion, at least, um, that's not really how it works either. But regardless, it has to work. It has to work for you and it has to feel fair and good to both of you. And this is a living, breathing document. Like literally, this is in our Google Docs. This is not something that we etched out in stone, meaning we refer back to it every, I don't know, like six months or so. Or like if we are getting in tiffs because one of us thinks that we're doing a lot more, carrying more of the burden or the load than the other person, then we're like, okay, I think we need, we're getting a lot of little spats about this. We need to sit down and look at our spreadsheet, right? And and we read to be some things out. And then of course, also if there's any like life changes, right? Like if you purchase a new home or if you have a kid, like you definitely want to look at this because there's, there's just going to be more chores that are associated. Like if you go from like renting to owning a place, you're definitely going to have more chores and things that you need to do because when you rent and something breaks, you just call the landlord, right? When, when you own and something breaks, you got to deal with it yourself, right? So like that's going to introduce a whole new set of things that have to be done in order to make the marriage and the life together just run more smoothly. And I really believe that the more clear you can be around this, then you're going to have so much more space for the romance to be there because you're not pissed at each other. You're not resentful at each other. You're not feeling as exhausted while the other person's just like, you know, watching Netflix all day or whatever it is. So... That's the business side of the relationship and the business side of the relationship, breaking that down is so different from the romantic side of the relationship. Now, I'm not saying that dissolving the business side of a relationship won't bring up emotions, right? And so 
if someone is still married on paper and you feel confident that the romantic side is completely done, but it's just the business side, I'm not saying like, don't be a little concerned that there's some emotions could get stirred up when eventually the business side of the relationship does dissolve. But again, I don't think it's like this immediate deal breaker because if you are dating someone who is emotionally mature and self-aware and can take responsibility or personal responsibility, then I don't think this is like an insurmountable problem for when they do eventually go through the dissolving the business aspect of the relationship. And as I promised, I want to talk a little bit about how this applies to relationships when you're not married, whether you're living together. I mean, when you're living together, honestly, like the same thing, right? Like you may not have it on paper that you're married, but like you still have revenue, you still have expenses, even if you don't have kids um, or whatever, you still, again, have all the chores and the money that have to be thought through and and figured out how everything is going to get accounted for and paid for and all that kind of stuff. If you're not living together and you're dating, you know, obviously there's not the same idea of like, you know, we're combining lives and and merging lives. And now we have to figure out how we're going to run our lives together. But in general, like you still are spending a lot of time together. And a lot of that time involves spending money doing things. And I think it's really helpful to get super clear and have really open and honest conversation around like, how that looks for you, right? So two weeks ago, I did an episode here on the show about being super discerning around where you spend your time in terms of who you're dating, and then also where you spend your money. And I talk about this phrase all the time, every penny has a purpose. And so at least I know for me, when I was dating, it honestly involved going out to eat and going to things that cost money more than I would normally want to do in my social life. Because like I said, I, I said this on that episode, like it's just, it's not that I don't want to spend money going out to eat and being social, but I'd much rather would just buy everyone a bottle of wine and invite you over to my house, <laughs> right? Like it works with my introverted nature. And also like, it's just more in line with like where I want to spend my money, right? And so it's important when you are dating, especially if you've moved moved past those first few dates and you're like, okay, like we're dating, like let's see where this goes kind of thing. You want to be clear on like, how much money do you really want to spend going out all the time? Do you want to try to find some activities to do that are cheaper, if not free, like hiking or a nice walk in the park or like, or like a picnic that would be much cheaper than going out to dinner all the time? And it's not about like being cheap and not wanting to spend money. I mean, maybe you love going out to eat and like, like, and you just have a huge budget for it because that's just where you want to spend your money because it's worth it to you. And that's fine. Then maybe this, then maybe there's less conversation that you need to have. But I do think it's important to be mindful around like how much money do you want to contribute to, you know, nurturing the relationship, which again, will generally involve going out more, which will involve spending more money. And how much does your partner want to contribute to that? And then like, where's the limit there? Because at some point, again, you might have to get creative with finding cheaper or free ways to spend, you know, those dates together, quality time together, all that kind of stuff. So it's definitely on a much smaller scale, for sure. Like you're not necessarily divvying up chores, you're not necessarily divvying up like utility bills and all that kind of stuff. Um, But you still do want to have an honest conversation about money. Because I don't think it's fair for one person to be paying for everything, you know, I think what's typical is like the man pays for like the big expenses and then the woman pays for the smaller expenses. And I know that's like more of a stereotype and not always the case, but like, I think that can be a breeding ground for some 
resentment. So I think after the first few dates, I think it's important to have that kind of conversation. And again, if it's really uncomfortable to talk about money or think about money, or like you just don't want to be that person, like I really implore you to look at what your money story is. Um, And again, I talk about this more on the episode two weeks ago, but I think that a lot of times we can relate to money the way we relate to dating and relationships, right? Like, oh, I don't want to be that person that cares about money too much because, you know, you might see that as being greedy or selfish or shallow or whatever. And there might be a very like close parallel to how you might show up like that in relationships. Well, I just don't want to be too much or too much trouble by saying what I feel or asking for what I want or setting that boundary, right? So I think there's a lot of parallels. I think it's worth looking at. My goal is for you to have zero tolerance when it comes to bullshit behavior when you're dating. And I also want you to be super comfortable talking about money with really anybody, but especially someone who might be your partner, because I do think that a lot of fights, a lot of breakups result from these kinds of things. And it's not the money itself. It's what we're making the money mean, mean about yourself and the other person. And so um, I really do think it is worth taking a deep dive into this. So I said two weeks ago, I want to talk more about this topic, not just necessarily how it applies to relationships, although it certainly does. Um, So if you have like, I hate to use this term, but like money blocks, or you just want to talk about money, or I can coach you on it, I would love to have some of those coaching episodes that I do on the show um, about this, about this topic. So you know, just like how you would apply to be on the show, if you're talking about love life, which I'm still happy to do. So definitely go to the same link I'm about to give you to apply for for that. But all you have to do is go to veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast, scroll to the bottom of that page. And then there you will see a link that says want to be on the show and you click, you fill a quick form and that will forward you to my calendar. If I don't have spots available, then the calendar will be blank. And then I'll email you when I have spots available. But I should have some spots available right now, because I'm going to be getting ahead um, a little bit on the show uh, this spring. So again, veronicagrid.com forward slash podcast is where you can be coached or apply to be coached on the show. And then again, if you are interested in joining me for the Love Incubator Cohort 2023, time is of the essence. Get your application in like right now, like the show is about to be over, go right now. (laughs) Otherwise, it might be too late. Again, veronicagrant.com forward slash love incubator. And as always, if you love this show, if it has helped you in big or small ways, I would be so grateful if you left a review. It really does help me to grow the show and to, you know, get the show out in front of more women just like you. So thank you. Thank you. All right, my dear, that's all I got for you. I will be back next week with a brand new coaching episode. Thanks for listening to the Love Life Connection podcast. You can find the show notes for this episode at veronicagrant.com forward slash podcast. And that's also the place you can sign up to be coached by me here on the show. And if you love this podcast, please leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. It helps more incredible women like you find this show and find real love. Until next time, remember, wherever you are is exactly where you need to be. You're not broken and you don't need to be fixed. Just because you've never had the relationship you want before doesn't mean you can't have it now. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.